those in Christ Jesus. The law of the Spirit of life has redeemed us. Death into life now. We walk in His freedom. We are the children of God. are in the room, uh, you can turn your attention over here to the baptism. We have a few this morning. Well, good morning. It's good to see you all here this morning. Making sure we can hear each other. Oh, there we go. Good morning. We, again, y'all, my heart is just so full what the Lord has done. Um, all through this year, we think, we see and hear the negative, but, but God is at work, y'all. God is at work. 
And COVID has not stopped the Lord's work, um, politics, whatnot. The Lord is at work, and our children are responding to that. And so I've got uh, three children today um, that have accepted Jesus into their life. They desire to follow him, follow his example through baptism. And so I'm excited to, to uh, announce these families. We have David Sullivan and their middle child, Ella, sweet Ella that desires to be baptized and proud mom melinda is here big sister and little sister are also in in many family and friends she's vertically challenged like me <laughs> so uh it's really good to be in the house of the lord today it's a it's a privilege to be able to baptize my middle princess and uh i'm excited to see what God's going to do in her life. Uh, this is Ella. She came to us after VBS and said that she wanted to invite Christ into her life, and we had a really good discussion about that, just to make sure that she understands what that means. And uh, she wants God, she wants Christ to be her, her leader, her Savior. And so through her salvation alone, God is, has spoken to me that in all the chaos that we're living in today, he's still on his throne. He's still in control. And his mission will never be thwarted. No matter what happens in this world, he will still call people into his family. He will still adopt as many people as possible into his family. So with that, you ready? I baptize you, Ella, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Ella's Mimal uh, is privileged to pray for her this morning. Dear Father, we just praise you. And we thank you for this baptism this morning. Father, I thank you that you call Ella and me your father. Lord, we ask now that you guide her through the rest of her life. Give her strength and courage and faith and anointing to stay in the steps you want her to follow. In Jesus' name, amen. Our second family that I'd like to introduce to you, they are no strangers to Carpenter's Way, Carnley family. This is Gavin, who is fourth in the litter of the Carly kids. Gavin is precious. He's in fourth grade. And his dad, Justin, is going to baptize him. And proud mom, Casey, and family are here. Go ahead, buddy. This is Gavin. How old are you now? Nine years old? Yeah, nine. Nine years old. And uh, he's got a few words he wants to read. This is uh, words that he dictated to Casey, and she wrote this up uh, for him. He's going to tell you about his testimony. I was seven years old when I asked Jesus into my heart. I was scared to ask Jesus into my heart because everybody was looking at me. But that didn't matter. I was so grateful that I asked Jesus into my heart because I realized that I was saved and that I will be with God. 
I also would like to spread the good news that so that people will look up to God like me and ask Jesus into their heart too. Gavin, on your profession of faith, it is my pr privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Sister Paisley. Oh, Lachlan. Sorry. Little Sister Sadie's baptized next, so it's a whole family. But family affair. Thank you. Dear Lord, I come to you now and I thank you for giving me my little brother Gavin and I thank you for giving him the ability to learn, to speak, and overall to glorify you, Lord. And I pray that you will guide him through the hardships he will encounter during his walk with you, God. And I thank you, Lord, that Gavin has come to know you and has asked you to enter his heart, that you understand. He understands what it means to follow you and to repent from his sins and the commitment that he is willing to take on in his life, knowing that, he will not be, that, is, that it will not be perfect and that he will s still sin because of our nature. But I hope that you will reveal to him the light and the darkness. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. All right. Sister Sadie, the youngest of the Carnley family, First grader. This is Sadie. Say hi. Hi. <laughs> and Sadie is six years old. And uh, she has asked Jesus into her heart. Sadie also has a testimony, and these are Sadie's own words again that she dictated, and uh, she's going to read them for you now. When I was at, when I asked Jesus into my heart, I was at my grandma's house. I chose God to be in my heart because I know He is the only one who can save. save I wanted to be baptized to show that I know God. He is my father and I am his daughter. I trusted him for very deeply. Although I don't always make the best choices, after I realize that I have done wrong and feel bad and sorry, I know God has forgiven me from for the bad choices that I have made. Thank you, God, for saving me. 
Sadie, upon your profession of faith, it's my privilege to baptize you, my sister in Christ, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, our sister Paisley will get to pray for her little sister. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for Sadie. And I want to uh, pray that she will grow in her relationship with you. I also want to pray for her journey that you have planned for her. her and... Uh, for her and for her understanding that when it feels like the whole world is against her that you will always be there as her shield and her protector and I will also like to pray for patience for me and for to help me be a guide for Sadie through her walk with you in Jesus name I pray amen Is God good, right? If you guys want to stand and worship with us, you're more than welcome. Sometimes I'm strong, sometimes I'm weak, sometimes I fall in my wandering. But through it all, there's just one thing more precious than. Grace, amazing grace, unfailing grace that saves my soul. And grace, unending grace, unrelenting grace that won't let go.
lift him high for all to see. Lift him high, the cross of Calvary, when mercy Lift him high, all praise to Jesus. 
If you're not already standing, would you please stand and read the scripture with me? And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil.
That's a pretty good song. You know, I, I love that. I, I think sometimes we just forget what we believe, and just to declare that, we believe in Christ, we believe in the Father, we believe in the Son, the Holy Spirit, we believe that Christ died, we believe He was resurrected, and we put all of our hope in eternity on that, don't we? And it's so, it is so good to know that it's safe to die. What? Think about it. If you have a relationship with God, it's safe to die. It really is. It's okay. And the world is trying to live as much as they can, but we are free in Christ. Uh, more on that in a moment, but I have some announcements to make. I hate to go from that song to a couple announcements, but I, I want to highlight some things that are going on. If you are not, if you did not get an email from me this week, I think it must have been Thursday, then when church service is over this morning, there is a table in the welcome area where my dad and my Karen uh, sit at that table. And if you need to get on that with your email because that's how we communicate with you. We, uh, sometimes we send letters, like this week I wrote a letter to the church. Uh, every Friday we send out a, uh, a bulletin, a virtual bulletin, as well as prayer things that are going on. So if you do not get those, you need to make sure. There's a little card there you fill out. It's just your name, your email address, your bank card, uh, your routing number. Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, but it's just your name and phone number and, and email so that we can be in communication with you. Because some things, you know, we, we, things change a lot. And, and we had some things that happened this week. We have had, we have a lot of folks that are sick with COVID. Uh, and it hit us this last couple weeks in the leadership of our children's department. And even if the adults didn't get sick, they have sick kids, which means they need to quarantine, all that stuff. And because of that, we, uh, the staff met and then the elders talked, and uh, we need to give them a chance to heal. Uh, there's a lot that goes into children's ministry in a church this large, issues from security to making sure the right things are being taught. And while we have about 200 different people involved in our children's ministry, that staffing is overseen not just by Alicia, Alicia and Casey, but it is overseen by people who work with them, and a lot of them have COVID in their lives, just, just like a lot of us. So we, uh, the elders and the staff made the decision, the staff recommended and the elders accepted that we just, we're just going to shut down our children's ministry above preschool until the 1st of October. And uh, that will allow our folks who run those ministries to get back into health. Uh, someone asked, well, can't you just staff it with others? We could, but there goes all of our security and our routines, you know. So we just needed to take a little bit of a break. So this is what that looks like. Sunday morning, there is preschool care, as you probably have already heard this morning. We encourage you to bring your kids. I know some of you, that's just overwhelming, but we have crayons for them. Let them draw. Uh, if they need to draw on the shirt of the person in front of them, they may. Um, but, uh, and, and if not, watch on, watch on the internet. Just stay with us in the study. As you know, we, each week it's going to build on top of what we've been talking about, so stay involved. Uh, but during that, we are still having, there's some confusion because somebody made me aware this week that a letter went out from the staff that said we're not having adult Bible study. That's not true. We are still having adult Bible study. But like our, Julie and my Bible study is Sunday nights and we have all parents. It started out with all young marrieds, but apparently young marrieds have babies. And so, uh, so what we are doing is we're going to Zoom tonight 
uh, for the next couple weeks because we don't have child care for ours that we usually have. But during the 11 o'clock hour, there's usually child care. There's not going to be any for the next couple weeks. So uh, uh, now, there's some classes that won't affect. There's others that it will. But uh, talk to your leaders. We'll figure it out. But it's only going to be for a couple weeks to get, to get our, our leadership back to health. So I am so sorry for all the inconvenience, but we live in the world and this is going on. And, and uh, we care about people, right? We care about each other. So I'm sorry if that discourages you. My name is Jeff Bonin. Uh, that joke is so old, but it still gets 12 laughs. So um, with that going on also, we, uh, I've had quite a few people sign up for our new members class that was supposed to take place, I think, on the 26th, the last Sunday of September. We're going to move that back one week so there's child care as well. So on October 3rd, we're going to start everything back up. Uh, our goal is not to stay to have that closed down. It's, you know, oh, one other thing. Wednesday nights, we're going to start back up on the Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So like on the 6th of October. So we're just going to s- shut things down, give a chance for us to heal, and then we'll be back that first week of October. So make note of that as well. I know some of you are going to, so we're not going to be able to watch The Chosen? Yes, you can this afternoon, but we're not going to be able to discuss The Chosen until um, the 1st of October. So, uh, so there's that. Um, let's see. Also, next couple of weeks, so did I say that right, Alicia? Did I miss anything? Okay. Um, uh, in the Welcome Center also for this Sunday and next Sunday, we have voter registration. We do think while we are a non-political organization, and I don't tell you how to vote, and we've got uh, both sides of this political spectrum in this room, we do think you need to be involved. That's part of being a good citizen and being a part of a, a, of a country. And so we want to encourage you, if you have not registered to vote or you have any questions, Sharon Kennedy uh, is is just so, been so gracious to set up out there. And if you have any questions, you can talk to her. Uh, last thing I want to announce is that we have women's Bible studies starting up this week. This Wednesday morning, there are several going on. Okay, starting this week, there's a Sunday morning and a Wednesday morning. So please, if you, you can sign up out there, or if you have any questions, you can talk to the beautiful Julie Wilkie, who will be with my father and my Karen at the table out there that can answer any questions. Okay, we got all the announcements out of the way. What am I missing? Okay, nothing. All right, Genesis, or Genesis, Galatians 1. If I'm in Genesis 1, it's the wrong place. Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 to 12, Paul wrote this. This letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father, who raised Jesus from the dead. All the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. May God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life for our sins just as God our Father had planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God the Father forever and ever. Amen. So that's what we studied last week. And those of you who are just joining us this morning, whether online or in the room, we... uh, I want to say all the time, but 99% of the time we go verse by verse through books of the Scriptures. And we just finished a study of the book of Acts, and now we're going through Galatians. So this is our third week in this study. We went through the first five verses last week, and this is this, our, uh, today's uh, section. Verse 6, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God, who called you to Himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. You are being fooled. 
fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again, what we have said before, if anyone preaches any other good news, then the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from no human source, and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. Let's, uh, let's pray together and ask God to speak to us. Father, <clears throat> in this time, as has been mentioned from the baptismal pool, uh, in this time of, of great noise and confusion and evil in the world, um, in arguments, in disunity, there is one thing that stands, stands true, and that is God loves sinners. And He loved us so much that He sent His Son to die on the cross for our sins so that anyone who believes in Him won't perish or be condemned, but will have eternal life. And it is our prayer this morning that we would be eternal life preaching preachers, that through Jesus Christ we would never forget what we believe and why we believe it. And so, Father, as we begin to slowly work through this letter, it is my prayer that you would change the way we think so that ultimately you will change the way we behave. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen. In the time that we have together this morning, I'd like to tackle the uh, first 11 verses, and we did the first five last week, but six through 11, and, and one of the things that's so difficult about preparing for our time together in a book like Galatians is it has one message. It is so clear. In fact, I, had an, I teased you about it last week because the first week we were in Galatians, I just read the book, and I had more people tell me it was the best message they ever heard, which was offensive to me personally, but I get it's such a clear letter. It's not hard to understand. But as time has gone on, and as, as we do church the way we do in our culture, with 30 or 40 minute messages where we take one verse and preach it, too often we forget the context of it. And you can't afford to in this letter. You cannot afford to, to, to lose the big idea that Paul has. In fact, I'm not even hurt if when I preach you go, I already knew that, I read this letter. I want to encourage you to keep reading it because every week, though I'm going to break it down into small chunks, I want you to remember the one main message. Salvation is through faith in Christ alone, and it is not a religious move. More on that as we travel through it. But as it's necessary for me to break this down into smaller chunks, I beg of you to think maturely. The underlying truth of this section of Scripture I'm going to do this morning, the underlying truth uh, is, is being a faithful follower of Jesus is found in verse 10. This is the thing that Paul wants you to understand as he begins this letter. I am not trying to win the approval of people but of God. And that's a very important, just leave that up there for a moment, Kevin, because that's a very important principle because it's the opposite of what was happening in the churches of Galatia. Religious people struggle with wanting to please men or self and God isn't new to our area or even Paul's era. This is super important you understand this. Our flesh wants to be liked. 
Our flesh wants to be approved. Our flesh doesn't want people accepting what we believe and how we live. And this is not just Christians, but it's people in general. That's why we have pride movements today. Because people don't just want you to be okay with what they do. They want you to endorse what they do. Well, the Christian heart is no different. The heart of a child of God. We want the world to like us while we follow Jesus. But it's important to understand that that is not what Paul says in the first 11 verses. In verse 10, he actually just said that if I were trying to Paul, uh, please people, I would not be a follower of Christ, which is kind of interesting because I remember hearing growing up in the 70s and 80s people saying that if you want to be a good person, if you want to be a good American, follow Jesus. And while that may be true intrinsically, you are only a kind of American if you follow Jesus. You are a Jesus-following American. Now, in our brains, as the church, we think an American should be a certain way. But I want you to remember that this is not a Christian nation. Nations don't get saved. People do. If there are more Jesus followers in a nation than there are not Jesus followers, you will have a nation that acts Christian. If you have more people, no matter what they claim, that that don't follow Jesus faithfully, that nation will not act like Jesus followers. And I think that's where we are as a country today. We should not be surprised at what's going on around us. They are acting like they act. Pornography has never been at a higher amount. Uh, uh, abortion is, is run amok in our culture. Uh, uh, infidelity is run amok in our culture. It's, it's on TV. It's promoted. And we even engage in it. The church does. While 70-some percent of us claim to be born again, there is a... There is a, uh, a, a uh, just a, there's a disconnect between what we claim to be the values of kingdom and the, and the things that we often do. That's not new. You see, what we try to do is, I think since, well, forever, we have tried to not only be right with God, but we have tried to feed our flesh while also keeping our hand a little bit in the world. Let me give you an, uh, a, a case all the way back. Cain and Abel. I want to remind you of the story from Genesis chapter 4. It tells us, in fact, let me read it for you. Now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd, while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain angry, and he looked dejected. So, just, just let's pause for a second because I want to make sure we're all on the same page. I want you to understand that both Cain and Abel, brothers, uh, uh, children of Adam and Eve, both of them come to the right God at the right altar at apparently the right time. Only one brings the right sacrifice and one brings the wrong sacrifice. Now, if you think sacrifice in general, you're going to go, well, yeah, that's the world we live in. Everybody wants to bring their own sacrifice. Well, this is not new. And when Cain realizes that God accepts Abel's sacrifice, but not his, it tells us that he became very angry and got depressed. He even looked angry. God said to Cain, why are you so angry? 
Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what's right. Now let that soak in for a second. When it comes to the worship of the one true, eternal, holy, and transcendent God, we are required to do it His way, whether we want to or not. We are required to do it His way. And for Cain and Abel, God had made it clear that there was a proper, acceptable sacrifice and offering. And Cain, while wanting to worship God, wanted to worship Him the way he wanted to worship rather than the way God's narrow way was to worship. Are you following me? Or have I lost you? In other words, you've got Abel who does exactly what Cain does, only he brings the right sacrifice. And then you've got Cain that comes to God exactly like Abel, only he brings his own sacrifice. And when he's reminded by God that that's not the right sacrifice, he starts pouting. And you all know how this ends. After God says, won't I accept your sacrifice if you do the right thing? He actually doesn't repent. He kills his brother thinking that God will grade on a curve if he's the only worshiper. That's today. That's today. That's not just the world, but it's even become the church where people go to God and they forget that God's God. When the, the Jews are released from Egyptian slavery, the Hebrews, and they go to Mount Sinai after a few weeks, they get there and God takes Moses up the mountain. He's there longer than they liked. And if you remember, Aaron decides that what they need to do is since Moses has gone longer than they like or they think he should be gone, he allows all the nation to collect all their gold and they throw it in a fire and out of it they make a golden calf. And they don't reject God. They don't say, this is our God. What they say is, this image is the God that delivered us from Egypt. While God's on the mountain with Moses saying, you're going to have no graven images of me, just worship me, even if you can't see me, they wanted a graven image. I, I want to tell you something. The Jews weren't rejecting Yahweh. They just wanted a graven image of him, which he said, I don't want. I don't want you to have to have a graven image. But they wanted one, so they made one. Not acceptable to God. Not acceptable. You see, even though we don't see him this morning floating above the pulpit, he does exist. He is the judge. He is the king of kings. And judges and king of kings, that's the one at the top of the pyramid of authority through all humanity, the one who created everything with the word, the one who did all of the doing, he gets to set the rules, even if you don't like him. Now, you can spend your life hating him or resenting him. Heck, you can even try to kill him. They did 2,000 years ago. But he rises from the dead. The fact is, God is, ready for this? You can quote me on Facebook. You're going to want this one. God is God. End of quote. And I think our culture's lost that. I think we sort of think God is malleable. He can be moved. He's kind of squishy. He's, he's like, uh, my grandson has a Groot. Remember from the movie, the, the tree thing? And it's actually, you can stretch it. Remember Stretch Armstrong? Those of you who are as old as me? That's what it is, a Stretch Armstrong. And he likes, to, he likes to stretch it. And he likes it when I stretch it for him. God is not stretchable. Even in some of the truths that are being taught, God loves you, yes. That's why he sent his son. But he will still condemn you 
if you do not bow the knee. Well, I don't want a God to be like that. Then don't worship Him, but you will find the other side of the stick. Back to our text. Jesus was teaching. This wasn't unique to Cain and Abel. It wasn't unique to what was going on in the churches of Galatia in Paul's time. But Jesus was teaching in John chapter 6 a massive following of disciples. One of the things that I hope you've learned as we've gone through Jesus' life together is there wasn't just 12 followers that were called disciples. There were hundreds, if not thousands. They followed him. He fed them. But there was a time after feeding of the 5,000 when the next day he snuck away and the crowd, much of the crowd, finds him on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And when they find him, they go, hey, where'd you go? And Jesus starts to teach them. He starts to explain to them that he wasn't here to keep feeding them and giving them what they want, but that he's actually, that the food that he fed them is going to leave them hungry, but if they eat his his flesh and drink his blood, they'll never be hungry and thirsty again. It tells us in the context that his teaching got hard and they wanted to move on. So they changed the subject. They told Jesus, we want you to give us the ability to do magical things. We want to join your circus. Jesus responded with this in verse 61 of John chapter 6. It'll be on the screen. Jesus was aware that his disciples, small d, thousands of them, were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? So what were they offended by? The fact that he was the show. Jesus was the show, and they couldn't participate with him. His lesson to them was, believe all my Father wants you to do is not magic, not heal the sick, not make the blind see. All he wants you to do is believe in me. Realizing that that offended them, he said, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend into heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. Then he said, that's why I said people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, Many of his disciples, small d, not the 12, but the massive crowd, turn away and they desert him. Then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you going to leave as well? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. So basically, you have thousands that claim to be followers of Jesus, but Jesus is too exclusive. Me. It's all about me. And my father, you want a right relationship? For those of you who believe that there's many ways to God, for those of you who want to believe that, let me quote Jesus. For those of you who think Jesus is just a good man, Jesus was just an honest man who cared about people, let me quote Jesus directly from John 14, verse 6. I am the way. I am the truth. Nobody. The Greek word for nobody there is nobody. No one. Not one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus was exclusive. I'm the way to the Father. He went on in John chapter 10 to say, I'm the gate. People try to climb over the wall, but they're liars and thieves. Only those who come through the gate will actually have eternal life. Jesus was extremely exclusive. And that offended the thousands or hundreds of followers that he had. So they left. The 12 didn't, though. 
Because their thing was, well, where else can we get eternal life? And then they go on and have a conversation about that. In John chapter 12, look at this. This is, this, what am I doing? Making a case for Jesus' exclusivity. In John chapter 12, verse 42 and 43, many people did believe in Jesus, however, including some of the Jewish leaders, but they wouldn't admit it for fear that the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue. And why? Verse 43. There it is. Look. For they loved human praise more than more than the praise of God. It has always been a struggle for Jesus' followers, disciples, people interested in Jesus, to realize that friendship with God, according to James 4.4, is in fact making you an enemy of the world. That's very complicated. That is why in Galatians 1.10, he said, if pleasing, Paul says, if pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. There has to be a moment in time, <coughs> excuse me, when we come to terms with the fact that just because we follow Jesus, people are, in fact, going to resent us. That's very hard for us to swallow. But I think for most of us, we kind of go, yeah, I kind of expect that. All of this, staying focused, staying committed to the simple good news, God's good news, had become a problem for the Galatians because there were Jews who claimed to be followers of Jesus, who didn't like the fact that they weren't Hebrew enough. We'll talk about that in the coming weeks. But they were buying in. The Gentile believers in the Galatian churches, they were buying in. They were accepting that message. And Paul's response to that is, I am shocked that you are, what's that next line? I am shocked that you are what? Turning away from what? From God. Stop. End of sentence, right? We'll leave that up there, but I, I, I want you to let that sink in. Paul is saying, you're not turning away from my teaching. You're not turning away from the new way. You're not turning, you are turning away from God. Whatever it is, and we'll get into what it was that they were being tempted with, but I want to say, whenever somebody adds to the gospel, the simple gospel message that is centered on Jesus Christ, or takes away from it, they are not walking away from Christendom. They are walking away from God. And I believe one of the dangers of the church, and this is going to be weird for you to hear me say, because I'm a pastor of a church, but I think that the evangelical church has so married with our culture as this is what I do culturally, this is what we do, I went to VBS as a kid, I walked an aisle, I did this or that, that we don't even understand. This is not a relationship with the church, this is a relationship with God. Those children this morning that were baptized, both of their families are involved in discipling of children, and now you know they're discipling their own children. Good for you. Because that, at the end of the day, you putting them to Jesus is the most important thing. And Lachlan, as good as your prayer was, you're not going to preach because you out-preached me this morning. It's a great prayer. But you need to understand that our goal, and this is why, while it's frustrating with the momentum we, got, we have going on with our, in our children's ministry and in our student ministry, this is why shutting those things down for three weeks isn't as big a deal as it would otherwise be because our goal is not to get them to love Carpenter's Way. Our goal is to get them to love Jesus, and they can do that outside of some of our normal programming. 
That, that's why we don't have to worry. We are not trying to get them to come to Carpenter's Way uh, because that will save them. We want to get them to the Savior and then enhance that as a church. We disciple that. We help them grow up. And how do we do that? By never talking about Carpenter's Way. Okay, sometimes we do. But our goal is to talk about Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Anything else is a distraction. It's not about Baptist doctrine in the Bible. It's not about uh, charismatic gifts in the Bible. It's not about whatever your pet is. It's not about getting miracles from Jesus. That's a modern lie. If only you knew how to pray. We need to study the prayers of people in the Bible so that they can figure out how to get a miracle. That is not the worship of God. That is the worship of self. How do I, the question you're really asking is, how do I manipulate God to get what I want? The thing is, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about God. Right? I mean, do we believe that? Even if this morning, and this is really weird to say, but I've said it before and I want to say it again. Even if this morning you think God is arbitrary, you think that He's, he's closed-minded, even if you believe that He is not loving, you better still bow. Because He's God. He's the eternal God. He's transcendent. He is holy. He's not like little gods you make. He's not like, it is so interesting uh, to have gone to India three times. India is an extremely conservative culture. But their gods are completely promiscuous. Everywhere you go, you have these, okay, we have children in the room. Their body parts are hanging out everywhere. And that's their God that they worship in this extremely conservative culture. Why? They're confused. Their, 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 their lusts are found in their deities. Why? Because they're creating them. We derive our life from our God. We derive truth from God. Because He isn't just truthful. He is what? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. In other words, just that statement alone, if you believe Jesus is to be respected, if you believe Jesus should be listened to, you should immediately ask the next question. Well, what is truth then? And that's what we study. What is truth? And you'll notice there isn't one mention of a Baptist church in there. There isn't one mention of America in there. There isn't one mention of the flag. There isn't a brand of beer. There's not a political party. There's a lot of wine. A lot of wine. But there's not a political party. There's not a, there's not a vaccine opinion. There's not a pro-gun, anti-gun opinion. I know. Jesus told his disciples to, 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 to carry a sword. And then when one pulled one, he rebuked him. <laughs> but the truth is, it's all about God. And the Bible screams it over and over again. But that is a problem. I want to remind you, when he said this to them, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God. I want to remind you what salvation is. John 3, 16. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who, what's that next line? Believes. Right, believes, but everybody believes in something. You left the most important part out. Believes what? In him has eternal life. Everyone who believes in Him won't perish, won't be condemned, won't be judged, but have eternal life. Believes in Him. 
Not goes to church, not walks an aisle, not is baptized, but everybody who believes in Him. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. God saved you by His grace when you what? Believed. Oh, I have to correct some theology in the past. I said there's nothing you can do to be saved. I was wrong. There is one thing. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing beyond that. You can't add to that, but that is, or take away from it. There is no salvation if you don't believe. God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation isn't a reward for good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are whose masterpiece? God's masterpiece. That means He's the architect. He's the artist. He created us anew in Christ Jesus. In Titus 3, 4, and 5, when God our Savior revealed His kindness and love, He saved us, not because of the righteous, religious, clean, moral things we did, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out His Spirit on us through Jesus Christ our Savior. Because of His grace, He made us right in His sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. All of these verses and so many more that we will be discussing uh, in uh, to, to great length in the coming weeks, point to one simple truth, and that is our salvation, our adoption, is 100% the work of God and an act of His mercy. It's all God. It's not even complicated. It's all God's work. And the only participation we get in it is to believe it. And that's what Cain had a problem with. You see, when God told Cain, dude, I'm going to accept your sacrifice, just calm down. All you've got to do is bring me the right one. And I've heard Sunday school teachers explain that he didn't bring his best. We try to explain it away so we don't make the same mistake. You know, all you have to understand is you find out what God sacrifice, what sacrifice God wants, and that's what you bring. That's all you got to do. You don't have to figure out what was wrong with his heart. You don't have to figure out why Cain was broken. All you've got to do is figure out what the right sacrifice is. And he obviously told Cain what it was. And instead of doing it, he becomes angry. That's the world we live in. That's the world we live in. I've had people leave Carpenter's Way tell me, I know you're teaching the truth, but I don't believe in that truth. We now live in a culture today that says, my truth. What the heck does that mean? I mean, my truth is that I am a purple panda. Okay. And so if I start dressing purple, I get mad for you pointing me out. Nothing wrong with purple. I live in Lufkin. But if I start painting myself purple, we live in a time in history today where it's gotten so depraved that people put red noses on, and if you point out that they have a beautiful red nose, they get offended. Because I have the right for you not to notice my red nose. Well, I have a right not to notice that you're an idiot. But the idiocy is even in the church. The idiocy is in the church, and that's what's happening. I can't believe that you have quickly turned away from the truth. What is going on? And he's going to make this phenomenal case throughout the rest of the letter. I don't want to get into it today, but at the point that I want you to get out of this text is that there were people, Galatians 1 says, that were deliberately twisting the truth. Kevin, I'm going to, I'm going to throw you for a curve here. Galatians 1, I think you actually have it up there. I, uh, or Acts, would you do the Acts verse? I think it's right after that. Acts 20, this was Paul's biggest fear that this would happen. Paul tells them on the last of his mission journeys, he tells the elders of the church at Ephesus this, and I have full confidence that he spoke with every church this way. I know that false teachers 
Like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. That was his fear. And sure enough, it was realized. And all the churches in Galatia not only had it happening to them, they were buying in by these men who deliberately twisted the truth concerning Christ. The Greek phrase I looked at this week means to stir up or cause confusion concerning Christ. As I thought uh, uh, this over this last few days, it hit me that this actually goes farther back than Cain. It actually goes all the way to the Garden of Eden. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 6 tells us the story. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day, the serpent asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree or from the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Keep going. Of course we may eat from the fruit in the trees in the garden, the woman replied. We'll just keep going. It's only the fruit from the, from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. You see, God said, Mr. Serpent, that you must not touch it, or not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you'll die. Here's the twist. Lucifer, we know, that was speaking through the saints, said, you're not going to die, he replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. I would like to argue, and we'll leave that up there, Kevin. I would like to argue that, the, that Lucifer, the serpent, didn't lie to her. He twisted the truth. You see, she was thinking, I'm going to die. It's a poison fruit. But, God, but, but Lucifer said, it's not a poison. You're not going to die. She didn't drop dead then. Actually, the very thing that God was trying to protect her from, knowing good and evil, being shamed or not being shamed, no longer depending on God for right and wrong, Religious decisions, I can help God along. Those things is exactly what God was trying to protect her from. They, the Trinity, just wanted us to trust, to believe on Him, to take care of right and wrong. The woman was convinced, though. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked so delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. Bam, history was made. I would argue that the decision that Eve made in the Garden of Eden was a religious one. She wanted the wisdom of right and wrong, the wisdom of God knowing good and bad, so that she could help him along, so that she could be a good person, a better person. Because if you just depend on God, you may or may not be a good person, but you wouldn't know the difference. And wanting to make her life better and to better her family, she ate, and her husband, like a bonehead, didn't stop her. This is exactly what's going on. When, when these people come, and we'll get more into this in the coming weeks, but when these people come to the believers in Galatia who are excited about grace through faith in Christ alone, they start adding things that make them feel like they're going to be better followers of Yahweh. Like, you can be Hebrew. You know, our history goes back 2,000 years. The covenant with Abraham. You can be Hebrews too. You can know and hear the laws that you should keep. And it starts with circumcision. And every Gentile goes, whoa. That's pretty cool. I can be Jewish like Jesus was. And you know why this strikes me as so realistic? Because, and I've shared this with you in the last few weeks, because every time we do a Seder meal or we do a Jewish tradition, everybody gets so excited, about 25% of the church wants to start doing all the festivals. And I have to remind people, you're not Jewish. And you're not saved by being Jewish. You are saved by Jesus, the one that the Hebrew people put on a cross. 
Do you understand the slight difference? You see, the problem is that Satan's not going to offer you something that's not seductive. He's going to offer us something that is. It's going to creep in through the church. Somebody's going to come along and tell you how to be a better Christian. And it's going to be five steps to good prayer, or it's going to be five steps to cleaner lives, or five steps to being blah, blah, blah. And you're going to go, that's what I've been missing my whole life, these five steps, while Paul's in the background going, just so you know, that might be fine, but it has nothing to do with the message of the gospel. Nothing. Nothing to do with it. In fact, he's so passionate that in Galatians 1, 8, and 9, he said, let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again what we have said before. If anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let that person be accursed. And what is the message? We looked at it in Acts. Acts chapter 13, verses 38 and 39. Paul said this, We are here to proclaim that through this man Jesus there is forgiveness for your sins. Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight. Something the law of Moses could never do. Uh, that probably alienated a lot of Hebrew people. Don't you think? But that's the gospel. The gospel isn't become a Hebrew. Folks, that didn't work. It didn't work when they were looking for salvation, and it wouldn't work after they were saved. Legalism doesn't work. Nor does placating the world. Uh, we need to love the lost, but trying to love them into the kingdom didn't work for Jesus. What makes you think it's going to work for you? What was Jesus guilty of? Healing the sick? Preaching how to have a relationship with his father? That's all he did. He never beat anybody up. He goes to the, the pool of Bethesda and he heals a guy who's been lame from birth. And what do the religious leaders do? They get angry because he healed him on the Sabbath. And because of that, they start the process of wanting to kill him. You see, if Jesus can't heal the world to himself, what makes us think that we can just stop talking about sin and that'll be fine? You see, the gospel's the gospel. Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight. Something that law of Moses or any religion could never do. Only Jesus alone can save us. And only God alone can grow us up spiritually, even though our flesh wants to do it on its own. You will not become a healthy follower of Jesus just because you decide to be today. It is the Holy Spirit that transforms. And that's what Jesus taught. That's what the scriptures taught. Kids who are baptized today, never turn away from Jesus. Sadie, you are a fiery young lady. I love it. Don't you ever walk away from Jesus. You just follow Jesus with all your heart. And we're going to pray that you do. Laughlin, don't ever pray like that again. It put me, put me to shame. I'm serious. You guys know this. And David, I know you guys are raising your kids to be Jesus followers. Most of us in this room grew up in the church. And they were wrong about a lot of stuff. They were wrong about stuff that didn't matter. What we should have been telling people is there is salvation through faith in Christ alone, no matter who you vote for. No matter what you believe about vaccines and whether or not you wear a mask, Jesus is the one you need. That is the truth. Seeking a spiritual experience that moves your flesh is still about you. Making God 
answer your prayer the way you want them to be prayed is not the way Jesus prayed. Jesus asked the Father to remove the cross. But, Father, not my will, yours be done. We have to understand that anything less than complete dependence on God is walking away from Him. That's what Paul starts this with. You guys think you're just adding to this little thing we're doing. I'm here to tell you, you are walking away from God. Anything that sounds true but is not what we have taught you, that is not written in the Scriptures, is not from God. It's walking away from Him. So you might be sitting here this morning going, okay, Pastor, I agree with all that. You've said it before. What exactly am I supposed to walk away with this morning? 2 Timothy 3.14. You must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they're true. For you know you can trust those who taught you. But then he goes on. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures. So we're not talking about your priest, we're not talking about your pastor, your Sunday school teacher, because they've been wrong on things too. We're talking about anybody who teaches you biblical truth within context. Okay, leave that up there, Kevin, because I want to tell you something. There are people out there, musicians, pastors, authors, who simply want you to agree with them, and they will use Scripture to get you to agree with them. Scripture out of context. A verse here, a verse there that has nothing to do with you. And they do that because they want you to agree with them and buy their material. 80%, I'm about to offend some of you, so take a deep breath. About 80% of music comes out of Bethel Publishing right now out of Redding, California. Let me be as clear and succinct as I can. That's a cult. They believe that Jesus isn't necessary, that a spirit-filled man or woman could have taken Jesus' place on the cross. That's what their, their pastor has taught. That's heresy. Just because you like the music doesn't make it right. Doesn't make it trustworthy. You've got to know what you believe. And not just because I like this musician or I like this pastor or I like this person. I have learned this last year. The people I depended on to teach me the truth cannot be depended on. You've got to know God's word for yourself. I don't doubt and I'm going to talk to, to, to families for a second. Men, I have no doubt, Texas men, that you will take a bullet for your wife, that you will take a bullet for your child. Are you preparing spiritually to take a spiritual bullet for your wife or your child? Single moms, don't write off Scripture. Of all the things you do, feeding your kids food matters, but so does spiritual food. We must be men and women of the Word because guys like me are constantly getting off message. And, and I hope I don't, but it is your job when I do to drag me back to the truth. Salvation through faith in Christ alone. My opinions on parenting, my opinions on church growth, my opinions on political things, my opinions on vaccination, not vaccination, are completely irrelevant to this discussion of the gospel. Right? Come on. You know better than that. I'm just a guy. But the Word of God speaks for itself. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you wisdom to receive salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. Next verse. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. The Scripture... Scriptures 
God uses them to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. You need to know God through His Word to hold people like me and musicians and authors accountable to it. Otherwise, you, like the Galatian believers, are going to be vulnerable to people who twist the truth to accomplish their own goals. My job, according to Ephesians chapter 12, is to prepare you so that you are not blown around by every wind of doctrine, by people who tell lies and it says, but make it sound like the truth. And what am I doing? What are our elders doing? Sending you back to God's Word as often and as regular as we can. And listen, at some point you're going to have to pick that book up and protect yourself and your family because we are all vulnerable in this area. Because things sound right even if they're not. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. Uh, And this morning we saw that this easily tempted, easily distracted nature of our flesh is not something new. It started in the garden. It continued to the kids of Adam and Eve. It continued through the nation of Israel. It continued through, I mean, it, Paul's day. It continued to happen in the church. And now here we are, and we must be passionate about the message of the gospel. Salvation through faith in Christ alone. May everything else take a back seat to that truth. I pray for a, for a longing to know you through your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week.